0: Ah! Mm-hmm. <coughs>
1: Welcome to this week's edition of For the Love of the Frame. I'm your host, Tim. And sitting here to my left is the man who is an artist in the abalming room. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. not the one. I
2: had a couple, whenever I was watching this, I was like trying yeah. to guess which ones. There was there was a lot in this.
1: My runner-up was, Where's Bermuda shorts on his day off. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty
3: good. There's that's a good. lot of choices.
1: I yeah, was, there is I lot. was
2: actually
3: looking forward
1: I to it. I thought
2: you were going to say something about the DLOLS. <laughs> I thought that's what, where it was going to go. That's,
1: I'm trying to, you know, class it up a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I want to be respectable. You yeah, know. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Also, with us is a man who, as far as I'm, or as far as I know, is unfamiliar with the embalming room. Aaron, I don't, I don't think I've ever been in one, so that's the fact. <laughs> Well, Ian
3: I'm kind of surprised where, by that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had been in a room before, I think. Uh, I like that. I like to keep yeah, a little yeah, mystery yeah, I mean, around. You, got, yeah. you never know what, I, what I've done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're here talking about the 2011 film, Bernie. Uh, the screenplay was written and then the movie was directed by Richard Linklater, Uh, It is based on a Texas Monthly article by Skip Hollingsworth, which I think was written in 1998. Uh, Mm. The crime itself Mm -hmm. took place in 1996. Um, And we're, I guess, describing the the very opening, or I guess that line of dialogue is not quite the opening scene. But, uh, yeah, we we have Jack Black as Bernie, who's, uh, I guess... A mortician? Is that the, the right word? Funeral director. Funeral director. Yeah,
2: nobody calls them morticians <laughs> anymore.
3: <laughs> and I think that's a shame.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't the degree called like mortuary arts or something? I or think so. Something yeah, that like, sounds right. Like the community college degree yeah, he got. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is a kind of a quirky, maybe somewhat under the radar movie that... Um, I don't know. I I just always had a special place in in my heart and it's just, uh, I've been looking forward to talking about this and yeah, I'm just curious for for you guys. um, Had you seen it before? And and if so, like just what was that first viewing experience like?
2: I had never seen it. I hadn't even, I think I remember seeing trailers for it actually whenever it came out, Mm -hmm. but I never watched it. I don't think I ever knew anybody that watched it. So I'd never even really heard of it besides... For this podcast, mm. and so I just watched it, and I really liked it. I like the quirkiness. I liked like it's an interesting story. I like the small town Texas. <laughs> Anything with small town Texas is always interesting. So yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. What
1: about you, Aaron?
3: Yeah, I'd seen it before, and I agree. I think one of my favorite things about this movie is the way that it just nails small town Texas, <laughs> and I I lived in small town West Texas and and married into small town West Texas. And so this is, (laughs) this movie is East Texas. Oh, but there are some, some great like similarities. Like I love the calling people by their first and last, like Bernie Tita, like (laughs) (laughs) Danny Buck, like there's only like a hundred people in town, but they still differentiate everyone, you
1: know, by first and last. And, um,
2: we should start doing that. (laughs) more.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know. I, I saw it roughly, I don't know. I didn't see it in the theater, but shortly I had a lot of buzz and like a low key, like, Oh, Hey, this is a surprisingly good movie. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I had heard about it through that kind of way and just was charmed by it. I, I, to, I moved to Texas in 2010. I, I have no roots here. So in some ways it was my intro into Texas. I, I knew Linklater has roots in Texas and mm-hmm. makes film, yeah. you know, or at least some of his films. Um, but I, I just was really charmed, and the fact that he uses like there there are actors obviously in the film, but a lot of the the townspeople it's almost documentary style. Those are literal townspeople since this was yeah. a real story. Um, it was an actual event, and so he went and interviewed people who knew the real Bernie. And so it almost feels like a Christopher Guest movie in yeah. some ways with like these quirky town people, but they're real. Yeah, um, and one of them's actually McConaughey's mom. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. The the old lady who <laughs> was like ranting about um, Marjorie, like wearing a certain kind of shirt that like showed off yes. her chest. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. The, the, the skinny, sassy old well, lady. That's funny. That's yeah. McConaughey's. Because she's a real life that. resident of the town. Interesting. In, like, so it's not even because she's McConaughey's mom. It's because she had firsthand knowledge wow. and, and was <laughs> someone who would otherwise be interviewed for it. <laughs> so funny. I just love like what you're saying. Just it's not contrived through like a script writer. Mm-hmm. It's just link later. You know, I'm sure there's some coaching and directing sure. behind it, but it really does. Like these are just people speaking in their own voice and like we have to at least talk, because my favorite epitome of that is the in the beginning the the, the guy who walks you through Texas. Oh yeah, how it's yeah. really classic. Like, I have again, seen
2: that before. I didn't know it was from this movie, but I've seen. Yeah,
1: I, I, <laughs> I show a lot of people that YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty
0: accurate.
2: It's pretty, like, yeah, it's actually... and
1: for a guy who in 2011 I, yeah. I hadn't even visited any of those parts of Texas. Really, right. you know, and now that I've been here 12 years, it's I, I can affirm that. Uh-huh. But. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe as, as I'm not the native Texan, so maybe one of you guys can, can kind of take us through that in your eyes. I actually have, as a kid, lived in every part of the state.
3: Okay. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I... So because I was so young, some of those ages, um, I don't have like distinct memories, but um, it is one of my... I love the the humorous way that in that scene that he yeah. kind of uh, like describes the different parts of the state. But um, it is one of my favorite things about Texas is like, it truly is. I know Texans, you know, we're not short on yeah. <laughs> state, state pride, pride. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it is one of the things that, that is accurate that Texans are proud of in terms of like, just how diverse the state is and the, the mm-hmm. different ways that the different parts of the state feel and their different dynamics. And it is kind of fantastic in a way that you can have such a, a large and diverse place, um, be so unified in a lot of ways. And so I think it's one of the neat things about Texas as a native Texan. Are
1: you, you were born in Texas? I was born
3: in San Antonio. San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Wow,
1: Where the Tex meets the Mex. Where the Tex meets the Mex. That's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, pretty
2: I just liked whenever he's like, yeah, I didn't really say much about the panhandle, but not, not really anybody does. And then it just, it just moves on. like kind of yeah. zooms over there and then it like pans away. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Cause like the graphic is yeah. kind of like not yeah. colored in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that one either that one was my favorite, or the Houston is the carcinogenic yeah. coast. Oh uh, yeah, that one's pretty good. <laughs> that one tickled me. I think <laughs> the
2: Austin one was pretty funny too. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, People's
1: Republic funny. of Austin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is exactly how like mm-hmm. I've done enough yeah. work now in East Texas. It's just like that's how it's viewed. Mm-hmm. All those like really ring true now that I've mm-hmm. spent at least a little bit of time in, in all the parts and. Yeah, uh, that's
2: what, well, I think that it kind of encapsulates the whole movie because it's it's all pretty true. Like the all yeah. the small town Texas thing that you get and all the people like it's done up a little bit and it's quirky and like it, it's a little bit over the top, but not not enough that it <laughs> like <laughs> takes away from you. you feel like you're actually watching real people a lot of
1: the time. Which I think that adds a lot to Yeah. And it's, it's, I think done from a place of affection. Mm-hmm. It reminds yeah, me actually yeah. of, of Mike judge's work. Yeah. Where he, he minds a lot of humor, but it right. comes from a place of affection for the quirkiness of people. Mm-hmm. And it's not a look at those bumpkins or look at these yeah. simple minded folks or look at these hypocrites or, you know, that kind of sneer, right. which I think is a marker of a lot of kind of modern time mm-hmm. movies, there's maybe a little undercutter of, of meanness, <laughs> you know, when you're, let's mm-hmm. all get together and laugh at the rubes kind of thing. Sure. And it really, it just, it had like a, a warmth to it that mm-hmm. I found made it easier to engage with and, and just smile with, I, I think, which is weird given the subject matter right mm-hmm. and that's kind of the core of the movie this yeah. this disconnect you get with like the vibe and then the you know all this quirkiness and then if you really strip all that away it's about a murder <laughs> you know and a cover right. up really um and i think it's you know lee claiter knows what he's doing it's it's part of the the charm of the film um but yeah i, I wanted to before even we we dive in more specifically on some of those things we like talking about acting in you know certain roles. It's it's a small cast, I, I think, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on on just Jack Black. Um, you know, he's has an interesting career. He's somewhat of a singular figure. There's just a certain like we, we talked about Adam Sandler a couple podcasts ago. Just Adam Sandler's Adam Sandler. Like you never not know that he's Adam Sandler. Like Jack Black's different than Adam Sandler, but he's just he is Jack Black. There's he has a unique. I don't know, maybe in my opinion, he's he just, there's a Jack Black quality that makes him Jack Black that's, you know, not so easily a little reviewed. bit of insanity that you can see yeah, in his eyes all the time. Yeah, so I just was curious what you thought of either just him as an actor and how it maps and, and how his fit was and I don't know, just your thoughts on Jack Black.
2: Yeah, I thought he was really good. I was telling you this uh, yesterday, Tim, but this is my favorite Jack Black movie, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Just mostly because it's- I think he fits really well as, like, the nice guy and kind yeah. of just the, like, happy, like, just talking to everybody, never met a stranger type of character. I feel like he fits really well because a lot of his other ones I just think are really annoying. Yeah. And I'm not really a fan of annoying Jack Black. So I this is probably my favorite Jack Black movie. I thought he did a really good job. I mean, he nails the character. Like, he makes... I mean, he makes everything about it really believable. Yeah. The, the lead up and just him being in the town and why people love him and why people, you know, care so much about him and then how he could get close to Marjorie and then, but also how he could end up killing her. And then like the fallout from that, I, all of it was believable to me Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's, it's a lot of things. So it's, it's impressive that he was able to pull that off.
3: I agree. I I agree with all that. And I, I, I'm like, like watching this, I'm happy for him uh, because I assume that he enjoyed this and and liked Mm -hmm. it. And and I agree. I think it's, it's a kind of role. It was a little more dramatic. He's still Jack Black and he's still funny and kind of has that kind of uh, like, like, is he unhinged? Like, uh, (laughs) is is he okay? Like, um, (laughs) but it was, it was toned down. It was a little smoothed out in this role and uh, he did get to be, Serious, and I think play some depth, and mm-hmm. I like to imagine that he enjoyed that. And I know I've seen like other comedians talk about, and I, this is true, like throughout Hollywood, but how it's easy to kind of get pigeonholed into certain kinds of roles, and especially um, for comedians, the thing can be. I've, I've I've actually seen comedians talk about like, oh, like you know, you can't lose weight; you have to be a little bit overweight. Right. You have to, you know, right, and otherwise you're not funny anymore. And like, well, how is this? How I look make me funny or not funny like yeah. you know and just a little bit of frustration with that um, but yeah to see him get to do something a little bit different a little bit serious and maybe other things he's done and he did great with it mm-hmm. I mean I, I think it's a fantastic kind of role for him. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah I think I, I agree with what Ian was saying what you're saying just I think it's definitely my favorite Jack Black role I also find him annoying when it's unadulterated Jack Black yeah. or that manic energy needs to get toned down and he's always entertaining, sure. but it's more like too much of it gets mm-hmm. worn out a yeah. little fast. Like I liked him at school of rock. Yeah. It, it fit him well there too. Um, but this one just really, I don't know. Cause it's, it's almost like this microcosm of him where it's mm-hmm. a little funny, but there's a little mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not sure where the source of all this is, you know? Right. And, and I think that works for him in, in the film. And um, it was neat. Seeing, and I'm sure they blended it on purpose, but you know, he does have the is it Tenacious D or he's like yeah. in mm-hmm. his little rock band, he, yeah, like yeah. a legit, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. rock band or whatever. Maybe rock. <laughs> I sound like an old man, <laughs> whatever the, <laughs> musician, <laughs> he, he's a performing musician, but like there's a lot of times where he's singing, right? And yeah. you know, the church choir, and he, you know, even in the car and bringing that <laughs> element, but it, it melds, you know, the character being in the theater, the character being mm-hmm. in the, you know, just. Whatever, all his arts and and culture stuff. Yeah. And actually what you were saying, Aaron, made me think it kind of triggered a thought of, I almost think like you were saying that being either typecast or having to be a certain way, like Jack Black is, I don't know, I haven't seen the list. I I would consider an A-list maybe. He's a recognizable name. I don't know if they publish the A-list and B-list and (laughs) C-list and D-lift. I don't know but like a major name mm-hmm. in some, at least somewhat. Um, but he's not like traditionally like Hollywood handsome. He's not traditionally, you know, like what you would look at as like a dramatic actor. Um, and so that, that way of having to like compensate, you know, if you're a comedian, you have to look a certain way or you have to like mm-hmm. fit into expectations in the role Like, it's this ambiguously gay kind of figure Mm -hmm. with, you know, he's just really affable and and kind of going into this East Texas conservative almost has more in common with like Mississippi and Alabama than like, you know, Lubbock or somewhere, you know, other parts of Texas, certainly Austin. And so that that way of, of having to, you don't fit in, but you have to find a way to stand out or be accepted it's almost like Jack Black, the actor or entertainer, doesn't fit in Mm, the mm -hmm. normal way that an an aspiring actor or entertainer would. You know, he doesn't have the voice that is going to win awards in in music. He doesn't have the figure or the looks to, you know, the typical Hollywood Mm -hmm. thing, but he has this force of personality that has just opened doors for him and made him a successful entertainer, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like how Bernie, that character, like didn't fit, you know, their expectations of what someone in his shoes would in that kind of East Texas town, but found a way through force of personality to blow open those doors and, and mm-hmm. find a side. And I just wonder how much of that felt. I don't know, I'm completely projecting. <laughs> and I'm completely inventing my own theory. But hearing mm-hmm. you say that just made me wonder, mm-hmm. you know,
2: I don't know. I think it does play off of like Jack Black has a certain amount of likability yeah. too. And I think the role plays off of that yeah. where he's just a likable guy. And if he's not being too weird, it's like he does kind of draw you in just
1: with the way, he, no. the just his timing and like, yeah. And that's absolutely essential to this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If he's someone who's got a flat affect and then has this effect on people, right. it You're does not, gonna not make it. sense yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. So you, that's the one thing that character, the actor, that role has to nail. And yep. he does it with spades. I mean, he just mm-hmm. he oozes it. And it's almost like without, yeah, I'm like, okay, we'll go with the oozes. Ooze yeah. I saw Ian cringe out of the corner of my eye and it's like, yeah.
2: No, I was just thinking of one of the scenes, like whenever, I think they're at a <laughs> memorial service or a funeral and somebody steps down from the podium and then like nothing's going to happen. And he mm-hmm. kind of like, he kind of like, creeps up and like Mm -hmm. just just sidles his way up to the piano and just I was just thinking about that scene and something about it is so funny like just the (laughs) way that he moves up there like yeah yeah and yeah because it's everything that he does in this is it makes him like it's like funny but it
1: makes him kind of likable and and we have a I know we have a shared um Appreciation for like the hyper competent in like Mm -hmm. films. I just, for whatever reason, and I don't even honestly know where it fits into the rest of the movie, but the opening scene where he's giving this lecture and like, like, and it's throughout the whole movie, they keep saying how good he was at the technical side of the work. And that's not why he you know, gain favor in the town. It was mm-hmm. this, this charm and personality and thoughtfulness and, and all those things, but it's just woven throughout the entire movie. And just that opening scene with just the, the performative. And it's just mm-hmm. like you tilt down, you know, you yeah. don't want to look down, you don't want to look up, but like slightly off center and like the, the smile, not mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. And it's happy to be dead, but not depressed. And you know, the, the, like just all of those things, It just really set the stage for the, kind of like the he's there's like 10 people in there he's lecturing on mortuary (laughs) you know craftsmanship of like you know but he brings a certain (laughs) like charm and a certain like but he
3: cares about the craft. i don't know It just jack black uh, what it reminds me of is in honey boy when the dad is talking about like they're having the argument like do you wrinkle the nose or wiggle Uh, the 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 nose the flared nostrils like jack black is like the master of every little movement yeah. and kind of what you're saying, Ian, like it just makes it, you're like, why is he so funny? Like how, like he, he's just walking up to a piano and it's like making me laugh. But like the facial expressions, the way he moves his body, like he's mastered that. It's funny you say that
1: because I, I found myself utterly transfixed when, uh, what's whatever play they were doing, the yes. 21, yeah. and he's doing the steps and he's insanely flexible. Yes, Like his hamstring, I mean, he can, it's, bizarre. Her, yeah. it's bizarre. It does yes. not make sense. But I just was completely engrossed in his he's kung footwork. fu panda. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, and the way, and then, and then I. He's so light on his feet.
3: He's it's, so light on yeah, his feet. That always stands out to me when because yeah. I've seen that in different movies and it's. I'm like, it how. He <laughs> physics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is another good. The dancing
2: Jack bear. The yeah.
1: Band. That is not, yeah. The kung, kung fu panda. panda? Yeah. I forgot
2: about that one. I like that one.
1: That's a good one. Do you, do you think that he's dressed up as the panda? Yeah. <laughs> uh huh.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously. Oh, uh, okay.
1: We'll, we'll have you a talk to, after. You off had mic. to act
2: all that out. Yeah, you can't yeah. just sit there and say the lines. It a, doesn't work like that way. It's like the stop
1: motion capture, yeah. like Gollum yeah. in Lord of the Rings.
3: Yeah. <laughs> if anyone could do it, it would be John yeah, Black. Would, yeah. Yeah, no, I, he I, could I, do I, all that Kung Fu.
1: Yeah. It's almost like maybe he wasted his talents. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, like Nacho Libre when he's got the tight pants and the, like just yeah. how flexible he is. Like it's
1: pretty impressive. What what do you make of his character? Uh, Ian and I kind of started talking about this yesterday and I was trying to tamp it down because I didn't want to spoil <laughs> my thoughts, but I think there's a lot of reads on it, which mm-hmm. I think makes for an interesting movie and hopefully for an interesting podcast. But um yeah. Like at the risk of being too broad, like what do you make of his relationship with, with Marjorie? Like what's driving it? How authentic is it? You know, I'm curious what you think. Yeah. Like specifically with her. Yeah. Take it in any direction you want. You know, I'm not trying to pigeonhole. Yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. Well just
2: him in general. I mean, he's, you kind of were talking about the same, but he's in an interesting spot just cause he does not fit in, in small Texas towns. Like he's not at all the cookie cutter person that comes out of there. But in in a lot of people that go into those situations because they can be kind of hard places and they can be like just very set in their ways. Anybody who's different a lot of times doesn't work. So to me, it was even interesting that because obviously this is like a real story that that guy was even there. Like why, you know, why didn't he go to Austin or someplace wherever where he would just fit in a little bit better. But So it's, he's an interesting character just in like the fact that he was in Carthage, but then is also able to pull it off and like Mm. get people to like him who most of those people probably wouldn't normally like somebody like that. Like if you just gave them a list of attributes, they probably would not like that person. So it's interesting that you can do that. And and I think that's part of, so I think my big read on him or kind of my general read is just that he really is all of those things. Like, I don't think he's pretending to be those things. And I think he finds a place because he can be, he can be a lot of what that town lacks. Like he can bring a lot of color and a lot of um, like knowledge that they don't have. And so it's kind of this pretty good look at what community should be of like, he's able to bring into the town what this town is kind of monotone in a lot of ways that like small towns can be of, a lot of people have been there their whole life, and a lot of them think the same way and kind of, you know, dress the same way, act the same way. And he's able to bring something new. Um, and so I think, but I, so I think that kind of fuels the way that he acts too, because he finds his place and he sees ways. Like with the theater, he goes to the theater, sees that it's not as good as it could be, and he knows that his talents can lend mm-hmm. themselves to it. And so it's just kind of cool to see that. And I think that with Marjorie. At least the way in the movie that they played it, I kind of it seemed like he took it almost as a challenge to to befriend her, just because he likes being friendly, and everybody out in the town already likes him. But like she's standoffish, and so it kind of seems like at first he's really challenged by like wanting to get her to like him, and then once he does that, then he I think then he enjoys the relationship, and then kind of gets to the point where he can't really say no. Because he's kind of too nice Mm. or just doesn't really have the ability to flat out tell somebody no. And that's what leads to the trouble.
0: Mm.
2: So that's kind of my overall read on him. I didn't, I didn't, I don't read him as being like nefarious at all.
3: Mm -hmm. That's kind of my. What about you, Aaron? Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, he is, he is liked by the community before he meets Marjorie. Um, but I think Marjorie at first kind of offers maybe a depth or a, a deeper connection that is different than maybe what he's had before that in the movie. And I, I think that's part of what's appealing at first is mm. it's some, it's, a. In some ways it's a it's a little bit of a tenuous connection with the community because he is different. They in the interviews and stuff, they're saying like he's different. He doesn't quite fit in, but we like this about him or we like that about him. And there's like little aspects of him that he likes. And I just wonder how much of that he felt like, okay, they like they like piece of me and this person likes a piece of me and this person likes a piece of me, but there wasn't quite anyone who just like fully embraced him as like, this is our guy, you know, Bernie, he's our he's our man. And I think Marjorie was probably most fully like embraced him, invited him in and essentially made him family. And um, I agree. I think it just, it got, it got to like this overwhelming point for him where he, he didn't know how to get out of it Mm -hmm. once it became too much. And once things started crossing the line and then it seemed like, and then I didn't read it as nefarious either because he wasn't necessarily like, He didn't run away with the money. I think one of them even said like, why didn't you just take one of her planes and just dump the body like Mm -hmm. in the ocean? So like, there was ways he could have gotten away with it or benefited more. And he just seemed like a lonely guy who wanted to fit in, wanted to belong. Because even the ways he was using her money once he killed her was to kind of get in the good graces of everyone. He was giving everyone else money. So it was essentially a selfish act, but not in that like, kind of outwardly like greedy gain kind of he didn't like mm-hmm. i think they said he didn't like pay off his house or his car like so it wasn't about material gains mm. it's about he wanted people to keep liking him so he used her money to kind yeah. of build up his his social standing yeah
1: um, yeah i think I, i'm in agreement I, I don't think there's like a nefarious reason i don't think he's a con man i don't think he set mm-hmm. out cynically to try to infiltrate and steal old ladies monies or anything like that um but i do think i have a maybe a little more pessimistic Mm -hmm. (laughs) read on him certainly than than ian does it's part of what we were getting at last night Mm um i don't think it's that different i don't want to make it too stark but I do. I, I think he's a guy you who just hate Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find this, and we can get into it more. Like, there's so many things about this I find fascinating because it's a true story. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get into more of that later. But just as a read of him, and this is a lot of speculation. I, I don't obviously know the man yeah. and, and whatnot. I believe that he was nice, and I believe that the the townspeople like found him to be a breath of fresh air. But I do think he's someone, I looked it up. The, the, he, he's born and raised in uh, Abilene, okay. uh, graduated from Abilene Cooper. Um, I don't know, he, maybe he bounced around a little bit. When he landed, um, you know, in Carthage, Abilene, I guess if you're not that familiar, <laughs> it's yeah, more West Texas, but right. also small town, also mm-hmm. very conservative. You know, it wouldn't be that. The nuances of the culture would be different, but maybe a lot of the values similar. Um, and I think he's a guy who I'm guessing didn't hang out with the football players or the athletes or the whatever. But like, Mm -hmm. I think he found and could hone a voice of like, I think he's extroverted. I think he likes being around people. I think he likes being liked. And I think he figured out like how to hone his, his extroversion and, and like natural charm into like affability and I think a lot of it's natural, and I just think as you like anything else, we're naturally Shit. away, and then as you grow and mature, I don't think it's nefarious. I don't think he's weaponized. I think it's just he's leaning into a strength. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I think as you go through life, and it's really interesting to me because he's—I would love to know the real story. It, it fascinates me because how does how do you end up in in what mor- What is? <laughs> it's not a mortician or, <laughs> or <laughs> funeral director. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a really odd yeah. profession, right? Yeah. Especially for someone like that. Mm-hmm. But then you think about it and you see it in the film and it's like a weirdly perfect fit because mm-hmm. he's impervious to the grief, but mm-hmm. really good at comforting people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people shut, I'm one of them. Like if, if it's awkward or if there's pain or that, I don't know what to say. And I yeah. start to intensely feel the awkwardness of myself and it translates to other people. And then I just shut down. I don't know what to say. And certain people just have this gift, this touch where they, they're not turned off by pain or, or, or awkwardness. And they actually seek out those positions because I think they have something to, to offer. And it's fascinating to me because I do, I think his natural gifts thrive in that environment. But then he also, the movie shows, has this mind for like, business or like Mm -hmm. remember he's like Mm -hmm. you got to change the decor put more crosses up put more you know (laughs) because it's gonna he like he deeply but intuitively Mm -hmm. understands the psychology of people and that small detail is not like lost on me I I think he's a a intuitive but like Mm -hmm. I think as he draws these inferences and as he gets more reps and more years under his belt more he just knows how to get in good with people and I think it's mostly well-intentioned, but like anything else, I think it's feeding, like, I think his identity is in that. I, I think he mm-hmm. self-defines as someone who this is what he's good at. I think he puts himself forward in those things. And I think it's like anything else. If you're good at it, you do it more. And then you see the fruit and the results and it makes you do it more. Yeah, you he's know?
2: essentially selling himself. Like he's yeah, a really good businessman. And he's man. a really good yeah. business.
1: He has a keen eye for it, mm-hmm. but he's bad with money. Mm -hmm. Right, because I I do think that there's a desperation underneath Mm. the. It's like the, the duck where above the surface it's you know (laughs) kind of peaceful looking underneath it's churning you know with Mm -hmm. the legs, and and so I do think you know and I'm reading into it I I don't I speculate that a lot of his motive in the generosity it's it's the high of being generous, but then also the the status he gets it's exactly what he's seeking. And he doesn't need to be mayor. He doesn't need to be powerful. I don't think he wants power. Right. I just think he wants to be beloved. Yep. And I think he seeks it and I think he finds it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so it's not lost that of like, if that's his, his sort of sketching of, of who he is, then like neglected old ladies is like, that's his honeypot like mm-hmm. that. And not for creepy reasons, right. not for manipulative reasons, but right. his shtick plays best <laughs> with right. that. And and so he, again, the funeral, that's a natural, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a weirdly perfect fit. And I think he genuinely, I do, I think it's a genuine sweetness in him and a, a part of him that cares that makes him follow up with the widows to mm-hmm. check in on him, you know, a couple of days after. Um, but it's also, he knows it plays well. You know, he's also getting that return because he mm-hmm. knows that makes his stock go high because no one else does it. And I think he knows that no one else does it. No one else slows down enough. And I, I just think he he found an area where it's not a lot of, of pain from him because he's naturally geared that way. So it's easy for him to act this way and show empathy and show care and, and do these things. Whereas someone wired a different way, that's like pulling teeth. It'd mm-hmm. be like the worst chore in the world, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, it's always a punchline on the Simpsons or whatever, how like the, the old people are shoved into homes and neglected, but it's like, there's some truth, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people just don't want to deal with it. And he, I think, found something where it's not hard for him to do that. And then the the payback or, or what he receives mm-hmm. is exactly the, like the, the, the endorphin hit he's looking for. And so it's just, I think he lingers in that space. And I do, I think there's a little bit of that challenge mm-hmm. when it comes with Marjorie, who's just the mean, nasty one where I think he just so believed in his abilities. It's like, yeah, okay, this is a tough nut to crack. Cool. Like I'm going to do it. And I don't think, again, I don't think it's because he was rich. I don't think it was any of that. But I think he was drawn to a hard case, Mm -hmm. almost like a testing of his skills. uh, Like Mm -hmm. I can do this. And sure enough, I think she rebuffed him the first time because she's mean to everybody. And when he came back and wasn't put off, it's almost like, Fake nice doesn't come back, mm-hmm. I think, in her mind. Fake nice, I, I was mean, he's going to go off, and someone who is doing this for manipulative reasons is whatever. But real nice comes back, and I think when he came back and he comes didn't have a grudge, more. it came back with more. Yeah. I think she, you know, but then also, you know, she's a widow. and You know, like mm-hmm. even mean people want company, you know.
2: Um, I'm curious yeah. what you guys, because you guys were both kind of saying, like, he's doing these nice things. And like, he's generous kind of cause he wants something, Mm -hmm. but like, what would be the difference between doing that versus just, that's his personality, like being generous. You know, some people are just generous. Like they just can't hold money because they just want to Mm -hmm. do is that, do you guys think that there's a, a genuine version of that? Or do you think that people that are like that are all just trying to like almost trying to buy people's good graces?
3: I, th- I think it's like, like I agree with Tim. I, I think that's what I was, I was trying to describe. And I don't think it's necessarily like, like every, like it's human to have mixed right. kind yeah. of motives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. so that's I don't think he's weird. a bad guy yeah. for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, like I was thinking like when he, when he kills Marjorie, um, I do think he feels bad, but it's like, he not bad enough to like turn himself in and like right, and I yeah. don't like I have I have like flipped into self-preservation mode and like much lower stakes I you thought, know? You, like, I thought nah, you were going to say I have also killed <laughs> <it>. <laughs>
1: huh.
3: oh shoot as long as you say I played the fifth after <laughs> it. allegedly, allegedly. You. allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> but like much lower stakes like you know I have flipped into self-preservation mode so I like there's like a human aspect to that that I understand but like he, he just kind of like throws himself into the, like, now I can use the money now. And he's, right, yeah. you know, and it's, it's giving him kind of like, more, like that thing. Like he, he wants to be beloved. I think that's a good way to describe it Tim uh, Cause you're right. He's not looking for power influence in the town. Like, mm-hmm. um, he wants, I think he genuinely cares about people. He wants to take care of them, but he has learned a way to like kind of get love and, and care back and um, like I said I don't think it makes him a bad guy but I think it's fair to to kind of call that like it, it's mixed it's mixed motives
2: so. yeah that, that makes sense like just yeah. kind of a mix
1: I, I think maybe two off the top of my head kind of distinguishing features between what you're describing of like a pure sense yeah yeah and then you know someone who's doing it to get something um, and as I think about it, it it's at least in in entertainment The closest to like Bernie that I could think of is like Leslie Nope from Parks mm-hmm. and Rec. Yeah. And part of, like, I, I like the show, but part of what made me like not really like the character was how dialed to a hundred it was. And mm-hmm. you very rarely saw like, you know, I know it was mine for comedy and whatever, but there, there's just like a hollowness under it that it's just the, the do-gooder types, you know. So I'm not articulating myself well. I guess what I'm pointing at is it's not so much what you're doing. It's what happens when you don't get Mm. what you want out of it. Um, And I think that's how you distinguish it. So the glib answer is like the murder, (laughs) you know, like she wore on him. And if it was, done from a completely altruistic, I am serving you because I want what's best for you. And right, I have nothing, yeah. I'm getting nothing out of this. You know, now is she an extreme case? Is that a lot of years? Right. And is anyone who's not Jesus ever get, like, no. <laughs> so that's what I, it's, it's a absurd level that we're talking about of, of you know, so everyone's mixed mm-hmm. in their motives. Um, shoot. <laughs> I had two things. <laughs> And I had one number
2: 2. And that was the
1: one. And then Aaron said it and the second thing popped into my head. I should have led with that before I lost it cuz I lost it. And it was a really good point. If I do say so myself. Well, uh, in
3: in that instance with Marjorie, I think a more pure version would be because she's probably not changing, but the ability to like walk away from someone like that yeah. and just say, like, I love you, but this isn't healthy, this isn't good. And actually, it's hard, but the most loving thing is actually to walk away from you, yeah. Um, and again, like he's human, like I don't like, yeah. I mean, mur- I'm, not- <laughs> I feel I'm not trying to minimize murder, I he's promise human. I mean, come on, we've all been there, <laughs> it kind of sounds like you've all you are. been there. <laughs> I was like, I I don't know how to say what I mean without minimizing murder. Yeah, it's like
1: (laughs) between Aaron's murdering and Ian's being an artist in the embalming room. I wonder if you guys are working together Uh, on the side. No, no. no. Ian needs some credit hours. (laughs) We would never.
3: That definitely hasn't crossed
2: our minds. (laughs) You leave a business card for the <laughs> funeral home.
1: <laughs> just That's drop weird it like word. ten feet away from the body. <laughs> you'll leave a good-looking corpse. You'll yeah. be the best version of yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I. I'm really. I'm, I'm hung if up you think, on that. I'm other sure point. you'll think about it. It I'm feels sure pretty far too. gone. It's not on the tip of my tongue.
2: But I, the reason I was asking is just because I think it's interesting. Like. Because I think we are always mixed motives, but then it's kind of hard because you could... Almost every good thing we do, you could kind of pull it apart of like, oh, you're just doing that good thing to... Tim's got it back. I to, got it back. to get people to like you, yeah, or because sure. you know, and so I don't know. I Just I was just thinking about that. No,
1: your comment led me back down the path. Right, I think another distinguishing feature would be the depths of relationships. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think your generosity should lead you into greater depth. Mm. And again, this is a movie, and it's uh, yeah. But like, you never you get the idea that he's on like good terms with anybody with everybody. Yeah. Right. But very skin deep and very. Yeah you know, at arm's length. And so it's almost that like, Mm -hmm. I'm a northerner and it's our picture of what like Southern interactions are that like turns our stomachs (laughs) that like fake nice thing. It's just like infused with that where there's a lot of politeness, a lot of charm, a lot of fake inquiry of like, Oh, how are your kids? It's it's polite. And it's, it's some of the, the lubricant that allows, you know, society to flow, but you don't really care. And he does maybe a better job of acting and sounding like he cares but if you look around the landscape of your life and you haven't developed, you can't do it with everybody. You can be on good terms or pleasant to everybody, but you should see like real deeper community bonds and and like real deeper relationships. And at least as depicted in the film, I think what he's after is he wants to be approved of and thought, Mm -hmm. you know, like endeared or, you know, endearing, but I don't think he cares about being known or actually truly he'll solve problems that require money or like volunteerism, yeah. but he's not actually yeah. getting in there. And I think that's just, you know, mm. I don't think it makes him a bad person, but I think it's a dead giveaway where if you're, mm. it's not about what you get, but it's about what you can give. I think you would see one of the byproducts of, of that would be, you'd see a, a, a more evidence of like true, like, really, truly wanting to solve someone's problems, which giving someone a car, that's great. And that might be insanely generous, maybe less so when it's someone else's money, but, you know, like, <laughs> sure. but like really getting in to like help someone's like pain or, or you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the, the the ways that you can touch like and heal people through like relationship and like depth, it just doesn't seem, and, you know, maybe that's not his strength and it's, it's probably not, but, you know, I think even accounting for that, you would see, greater evidence of like what's best for that person, wherever that road leads.
3: Right. And that's I think that's one of the things that Danny Buck is pushing on mm-hmm. when he's going around the town and people after um after Bernie's like I think it's after he's been arrested and maybe when he's on trial. And the townspeople they're just they're going to Danny Buck like, he's a nice guy. Like and Danny Buck's like he's pushing against that shallowness. He's like, look, just cause he was nice to you mm-hmm. and pleasant. Like he murdered an old woman. Like he's not a good guy. Right. And the townspeople just want to keep, well, he was nice to us and he volunteers and she was mean. And, and she was mean. Right. And it is, it, it, it's like an economy of that kind of like shallow, like, um, like niceties or, uh, like manners. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, he's nice. She's mean. Like he, so he's right. She's wrong. Like, don't, don't go too hard on him. He's yeah. a good guy and Danny Buck, he's essentially saying that like there's like depth is what counts. And like he, he killed someone like that's a good person. Doesn't kill someone like,
2: yeah, it's just, it's funny how surface level things can become so ingrained and almost so deep in people Mm. that they can subvert the things that actually really matter. So like in a small town by being polite, you can be polite enough where it doesn't matter if you kill somebody, as long as it's the right person. Which is really interesting and I think is pretty telling because I think we all do that in our little ways. We're willing to forgive really bad things a lot of times if the, like, the person that we're forgiving checks the somewhat superficial boxes that we like to be checked.
1: Yeah, that's where you're like, this is a true story. Like, yeah, that's part of what caught mm-hmm. the original like, n- like magazine writers eye was... Cold blooded murder shot four times in the back back, (laughs) of an old lady defenseless old lady. It wasn't a break in. She didn't have a gun. It wasn't some mental snap or anything. Shot her four times in the back, packed her in a freezer and she's found like yeah. it eight months later, it's nine months later. Like, yeah. Yeah, just like on that, right? That, it yeah. would be like, just I just never facts. knew. Yeah. I can't believe I live next door to this guy. We never right. saw it coming, but instead it's just this full throated, they had to move the trial. That is such a drastic legal step to take. Like trial by jury of your peers is enshrined in our bill of rights. Right. Like to, to move it out of your community is a big deal. It's reserved yeah. for, like we can't, it would be a miscarriage of justice. It's literally impossible. We cannot find an untainted jury like that level of thing. That's how like, it wasn't you cherry picked his hundred greatest fans or like the people at his church or something like the entire community. Mm -hmm. They did not think in the surrounding communities, like the county, they could not get a jury like that is amazing to me. Yeah, Like bonkers in the movie. They
3: say it's usually the defense who has to ask for it to be moved. A hundred percent. So
1: yeah, that is interesting. And again, it's like fact, yeah. <laughs> it's not a movie plot device. It is fact like that is how widespread and I think it's this perfect storm of how nice he was and how mean is I think you've had a nice guy, right. and a normal guy yeah. or, you know, normal grandma, a nice yeah. guy. It doesn't have the same effect. It's the complete like poles or the, the distance between the two, um, but it is, it's like, like the way humans default to like our, our homespun gut feel wisdom mm-hmm. and then construct yeah. things around that. Yeah, there, um, I
3: read a book recently, Malcolm Gladwell, something about talking to strangers. I don't remember the exact but, title. I think
2: it's just called Talking to Strangers. Okay, okay maybe think. that's
3: it. But this is the exact premise. He's He says like, we like to think that we are rational creatures. And when it comes to strangers or mm-hmm. interacting with people, we think if I can look them in the yeah. eye, if I can shake his hand, if I can hear the tone of his voice, you know, kind of being, just sit in the room with them. I, my gut will tell me, can I trust this person or not? And he just goes through (laughs) scenario after scenario where like humans are actually overall, like pretty bad at that, Hmm. but we put so much stock in it. Like, I know this person, there's no way, (laughs) like there must be something else that happened because there's no way Bernie, like he's a good guy. He volunteered. He's nice to us. Like and I, I think he sent me flowers. Like, that's
1: so interesting because then I help, it helps you understand Danny Buck. Mm-hmm. Right. I, yeah. I identify. Okay, he's the prosecutor, so right. he has seen, yeah, yeah, and done convictions and, and brutal. Right? I mean, it sounds like he'd been elected a lot of times. And <laughs> what right? Danny Buck does best is get Danny yeah. elected. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I do want to reserve some time to talk about Danny Buck or McConaughey's wig in this like, <laughs> I Just. I just found myself. It's like, I would almost argue that's like the best supporting actor in this entire (laughs) film is that wig. (laughs) But before we jump on that train, like, he had, for all of his Danny Buckness and what McConaughey brings to the role, just a prosecutor, even if he's just mostly a figurehead who gets elected, he has seen things Mm. and it's had that beat out of them. And I speak for me like I, right. I've been in court. I've looked at sex offenders. I've shaken. It's just Mm -hmm. people who look normal. And I just learned a long time ago that Mm -hmm. my internal sense it's broken. It just Mm -hmm. no one's is right. I think anyone who's worked in like a prosecuting role and has looked in the eyes of like, you look at the, you're like, Oh, he seemed like a nice guy. And then you read the case and then you look at him again and you're just Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like, oh, he seems nice. I'd let him babysit my kid, right? Or just or Not really, sure. but you know, <laughs> and then it's just like you read mm. like the facts of what actually happened. Mm. And because we have a hard time, we tend to interpret things of what I would do. Right. Or, and we set limits on what I think is a reasonable range mm-hmm. and things that are outside of that. We almost don't want to believe mm. it exists. And even more so that like pure evil exists, you know, mm. and that's that's maybe the you know, the, uh, and sugar podcast, or the, right. you know, that's, uh, uh Fargo, Fargo or another, yeah. you know, Just those thinking, ideas yeah. are, are mm-hmm. explored there, but it, maybe not so much in this film. Cause I don't think Bernie's no you know, pure evil or representing pure evil, but it is like it blunts the outrage <laughs> yeah. and it's all because of our subjective like humanity in, in their way. It's, it's such an interesting like phenomenon.
3: Mm hmm. It's the classic like serial killer thing. Anytime yeah. one's caught, the neighbor's always like, he was
1: such a nice right.
3: young man. Like, right. I can't believe like,
1: yeah, it's, yeah,
3: it's such, it is. It's, it's fascinating. But the funny thing
1: is the three of us are going to say this and we're going to leave this room oh, yeah, and we're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to do the exact same thing. Yeah, and We're yeah, going to make assessments the same way. Because
3: the
2: interesting thing about it is that if you go too hard the other yeah. way, or even yeah. if you go hard the other way, if you just don't trust people, mm-hmm. if every person you meet has to prove themselves to you, you're in a pretty bad spot. You're not going to be, you're not going to enjoy like meeting people and you're just going to be really difficult to be around because, so you kind of have to have this initial trust the way that human beings are made. You, you kind of have to give people the benefit of the doubt because there is so much unknown whenever you're first meeting somebody. Yeah.
3: Well, a culture, it breaks down like right really quickly if like you need that dynamic, mm-hmm. and then I think there's even a like a deeper like spiritual spiritual reality for for us as like Christians, where it's like we have like one of the things we believe is like there's a God who's at work in the world, like restoring it right. and making it new, and that we're called to like join him in that work, and that like inherently has the belief that like that uh, that creation can be made new mm-hmm. and, and restored. And it, it, that, that's incompatible with like a belief that if I'm looking at people all around me and just saying, well, you are permanently broken. Like, so therefore I can't trust you. And obviously there's wisdom and, the, you, know, it's, right. you know, you don't do reckless things or dangerous things with that belief, but there are, I think, ways that you are called to um, lay your life down that are hard
1: and that, that's part of the life. Yeah, no, it's... I think that's exactly right. And I, I, this is not at all where I saw this podcast, yeah. going, but <laughs> I, I do think it's interesting. Um, is I guess in this narrow instance, like I do speak to like my own wrestling with mm-hmm. it because of my job or the nature, like I see a lot of ugly, hard things. And I think Christianity is the only way to reconcile or this how I can exist right. because I don't have the luxury or anyone in that kind of prosecuting sort of situation where you see some ugly things. It's like, these things exist, whether your eyes are open to it or not, you know, you're just, it's putting your face every day, but like you can't not trust it. You can't fear everything. You can't be in a totally defensive mm. place. And so I think like, the like biblical framework tells you there is evil in the world. There is brokenness in the world, not to be surprised by like the depths of depravity and like the human soul, like really messed up stuff can and does happen. But you also lack the power to protect. Like I can't. And so if I get ultra conservative and put walls up one, I'm going to hurt the way I'm designed to be living in trusting community. And two, just God's over all that. So even mm. if, you know, so we can exercise wisdom, like you said, there's a ton of slicing in the middle of that, but you're freed from, if it's only about me and my, how on guard I am, it's going to push me to be ever vigilant mm. because I'm a you know, but it's just like, that's not the solution either. And it really does come down to like, I can only trust in a sovereign God. You know, it's, mm. and it's I know that kind of sounds unsatisfactory in some ways, but it's, Better than either one of those polls. And it's just also reflective of reality, and that it's a scary thing to say out loud or admit. But it's like, I can't guarantee that, you know, some axe murder is not going to back, you know bash down my house or something or, or like so I'm mm-hmm. not going to get you know or whatever some Bernie figures not going to shoot me in the back right like right. <laughs> it's just life is that way and but I think if you can own up to it you can reconcile that like life's not about getting out of it unscathed it's about the things that it's about it's about loving and trusting and serving and, and building positive things you know um, but without that grounding it really does like you're, you're just trying to measure it out it's terrifying it's terrifying (laughs) yeah
2: yeah because you either have to look at people as fundamentally good or fundamentally bad and if they're fundamentally good then that works for a while especially with like the types of lives that we live i guess tim maybe you're not you see more of the the darker sides of people just with your job but like if you work in an office or whatever you can kind of believe people are fundamentally good but then eventually something comes into your life that messes with that idea. Mm. And then it it like really shakes you. Right. Like, because there are some really, really horrible things that people do. But then if people are fundamentally evil, then it's like, well, how can you trust anybody? Like, because people will let you down. So if you want to believe people are evil and you're looking for those things, you can find those in like all of your best friends. You can find those little things in all of your family how they can be selfish and how they can Mm. only be looking for themselves and not for your best interests. And so like the gospel and God gives us a way of navigating that. That is, it feels unique of like people are messed up, but they do have like we, everything in creation has the potential to be made new. Mm. And so we're just, we're trying to do that ourselves and also just lets you interact with yourself. I think a little bit easier of like, or as a Christian at least says like, like I am going to do things that aren't good, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Like right. there is, there's some atonement that's already right. been there and there's redemption yeah. there.
1: Yeah. And what I appreciate about the, the movie is um, like, you know, I was talking about Ant and sugar before like a Fargo villain or like these pictures of like abject evil, but Bernie <laughs> right is not that. And yet he did, kind of in some ways the ultimate crime, right? And I I think if you're honest, like whatever it was inside of Bernie that made that snap, I'm not saying each one of us is like lurking and on a knife's edge or getting pushed over the edge to murder somebody, (laughs) definitely not Aaron. Um, (laughs) but if anybody was going to do that, it's almost like if a guy like that circumstances can weigh on him hard enough. And there's some really strange circumstances, right? The cruelty of, of, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm blanking on a name, Marjorie. Marjorie. Marjorie, you know, and then just whatever, all the ways that they like played off each other. It's a unique circumstance, but it's almost like, we all in some way there's a certain lining of circumstances that like you can't comfortably say anyone or you know even like otherwise normal or you know it's another sobering thought and so I try to dial in how far I push Ian I don't don't (laughs) want to get shot in the back I've been making Ian leave the room first (laughs) <laughs> you think that's going to help Tim? <laughs> it's just like, uh, the, it's like Maggie from Million Dollar Baby. You got to be aware at all times. protect yourself at all times.
2: Isn't there some quote? I was trying to think of some quote of like, uh, I can't remember what it's from or something, but it's, like, it's just like war can make a monster of any man or something yeah. like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's just the idea, like if we're all put in certain circumstances, then like we all are capable of, a lot of things that I think we don't think we're capable of.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, I like how they depict it. And again, it's not even a script choice because it's reflective of real life, which is why I like it. <laughs> it's, reflective of reality, but it's a gradual process. Mm-hmm. And I, we kind of touched on it before, but maybe to like focus on a little more on it, like, why didn't he leave things were getting progressively worse. And yet, all he had to do he, he wasn't like a slave. He wasn't. He had free will. He had agency. He could have moved out, right? Like he at the had to very do, least,
2: all he had to do—or I guess at the most, all he had to do was quit a job,
1: right? Like quit working. Right. For like yeah. she didn't have like incriminating photo. Like mm. there was no like mm-hmm. blackmail or anything. Like all he had to do was leave. Yeah. She's a frail old lady. She mm-hmm. wasn't gonna do anything. You know. And so why not? Why didn't he?
2: Yeah, I think that was one of the most interesting things to me. And I think they, somebody says it where, I mean, I can't remember the quote now, but they basically say he's just too nice to be able to like Mm. tell anyone to just stop messing with him. And I think that is, to me, that was something that was really poignant and something that I feel like I've seen a lot. And I think I, I think I'm kind of like that too. Like just growing up in the church and kind of being told like, which is kind of that East Texas thing of like, oh, you're just supposed to be nice to people. And like, anytime somebody asks you for a favor or whatever, you say yes. And and so I think he just had a lot of, and like had built up over the years, this this idea of himself or like this version of himself where he was just helping people all the time. And I think he didn't really have, I guess just healthy boundaries is what it comes down to. He didn't have healthy boundaries or like a way of, creating boundaries with people so most people I think just wouldn't ask that much of him and so it's fine but then with this with Marjorie he never really knew how to just say like okay I'm leaving like this is wrong and so I think it was just I think it was just immaturity like I think it was just his inability to not leave somebody and like he just I think he just didn't know how to navigate that do you think it's
1: that simple though like and it's speculation, so yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying you're wrong, but, like, given the kind of guy he was and given all the grieving widows he was around and mm-hmm. giving the charm and the acclaim that he got from them, you don't think he learned how to navigate boundaries? Like, I think any one of those old ladies would have loved having him over for to be their pet, to be... They didn't have the resources and the money to keep him there, to take him out to lunch every day, or whatever, right. but, like, I think he knew how to be light on his feet, to be charming and get out. It's a, you know, just be that social butterfly. I think that's a version of boundaries. Maybe we're, I see that as a boundary. Maybe. Yeah. I think
2: I see it as something different because I think that, I think there were things that were different about Marjorie that drew him into like a deeper relationship. And I think, I think once he was in that, I think he did. Do you think they had a deep relationship? Maybe not like a actual deep relationship, but I do think like what Aaron, you're saying, I do think he was looking for something a little bit, like more, less surface level than what he had with most people. So I think there was just, even if it's just the presence of just being with somebody and them knowing you, just literally being in the same room as somebody else, you know, even if they're like doing their taxes or reading or whatever, there's something about just being known in that way and being comfortable with people. And I, so I think that they had that, I mean, they went on, like, if you travel with somebody, you really have to spend a lot of time with them and they went on all these trips and everything. And so I think they had this familiarity that he didn't have with other people. So there was like, maybe even like without him knowing or not wanting there to be a connection, I think there was a connection there, like some sort of bond that got built over the years. Was it, it was like years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, It mean, was a years. long time. And so I guess that's kind of how I read it. And I think like the money and the trips and all that stuff was, there were definitely things that were there that were like, were pulling him in initially and would keep him there. But the, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, if you didn't like it enough, you just leave. But the, there's a certain level of comfort and like, inability to just say no maybe maybe some of it is the comfort too Mm. because a lot of people are saying bad jobs because you know you don't know what's out there
1: this is where I think I'm on the darker (laughs) I just I I respectfully just don't see it that way and again I don't think you're wrong I think it's a valid interpretation I just I don't think he has a connection with her at all I think Mm. she's rich and I think he can tolerate her and I think he whatever he taps into I think he feels like he can manage her and I think he feels like her bursts of anger and scathing whatever I think largely he has defenses for it it just doesn't land with him the way it does most people and I think and the movie at one point says I think about $100,000 a year worth of vacations mm. for a guy like that from Abilene who's works part time or, or you know as an assistant funeral director like That's real money. Mm -hmm. You know, she got 50K a month just on royalties. Mm -hmm. That wasn't even like her real money. That was just the passive income that comes in. (laughs) Like she was loaded. And I think he liked the lifestyle. I think he liked eating out to lunch all the time. I think he liked the ability to, you know, he was the influencer of the person with the money. You know, he was the conduit. And I just think if it was real relationship And this is the cynic in me, but it's like, if he has a thing for, if he has the capacity as a middle-aged single man to bond deeply with like an elderly woman, um, why the mean, nasty, wealthy one that everyone hates as opposed to this whole array of other sweet old ladies who would also be in pain, would also be lonely, would also want his companionship, would also have like, I don't think she cared about him as a person. She, she liked the, pre, you know, but she turned hard. And I mean, right. She was controlling and conniving and, you know, and like her own family didn't like her. I just don't know that she, she saw someone who could tolerate him or tolerate her. And then I think he felt like it was worth it for all the, the ancillary things. And I think they had a relationship of convenience and she was getting something out of it and he was getting something out of it. And as long as they were both getting something out of it, it kept going but I don't think it was genuine in the sense of like love and like that sort of human healthy sense. I think it was a weird codependency where he was getting money and experiences and the ability to like be generous or, you know, to, to the things that I think drove him. And I think she was just got a companion and she didn't care. <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. when you're in that kind of small, dark, mean shriveled place, you know, I think having someone who is affable and entertaining and gracious and, and all the qualities, you know, I think she trusted him. I do think that. I think she did trust him I and mean, she made him right yeah, you know power attorney. those are right. heavy duty things. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in the movie that shows she was mentally right. weak or incapacitated. like I think she she had reasons to not her kid was a doctor. she felt like she just didn't feel the need to provide for any mm-hmm. of them and she just I think, I think her being cold and miserly, and I think she saw the big, gregarious, gracious mm-hmm. heart he had. I think she admired it and then she couldn't be that. So mm-hmm. I think she was kinda happy to maybe support it in, you know, I think maybe derived a little bit of delight seeing him be the way he was, like from a watching place. But I just don't there's not a iota of me that thinks that there's like any kind of genuine love in that relationship so i'm the pessimist i guess yeah yeah
2: yeah because i I mean i could see it both ways that's what's so interesting about this as a story but then also as like a true story because
1: it's hard to know because i think from my perspective the reason he didn't get out is it's golden handcuffs the same reason why the guy who has the, you know, I don't know, million dollar a year job, but has a mortgage and a vacation home and Mm. and two fancy cars and the kid in private school. and, And so high income, high expenses, loves the neighborhood he lives in, hates his job. It is soul sucking. It's destroying his marriage. It's destroying his relationship with his kids, but he can't quit because it means letting go of the lifestyle. Yeah, It's like he could go and work for a nonprofit, have way better hours and have way better balance in life and be happier. But he'd have to sell the house, have to sell the cars, have to downgrade, you know, put the kid in public school. And it's just like, I don't want to do that. And we see golden handcuffs all over. Yeah, That's a well understood phenomenon. And so I look at Bernie and I see someone who has golden handcuffs on. And so when she like, dials up the pressure, he starts crumbling because yeah. I don't think he likes her. I just don't think he can get out. And he just kind of snaps in that one moment. But I do
2: think, well, I mean, because that's totally true. Like the golden h- handcuffs are... That's definitely yeah. like yeah. obviously something that's there, but also like kind of from the other side of it, there's people who will like stay in abu- abusive relationships or just keep going back, like finding new abusive relationships. Yeah, that's true. And it's like, that isn't because they're necessarily getting something out of it, but there's a certain sense of comfort of just knowing what's there. Are and you
1: personalizing this to the podcast? <laughs> I am not personalizing. <laughs> okay, good. Let's like listening
3: to both of you, it, it is it's this very like true to life experience where it's like sometimes any one of those things like you could walk away from, but yeah. it, it's like that saying yeah. of like, we weave a tangled web, like, and sometimes it just, you find yourself in a situation that it's just so overwhelming because mm-hmm. you're like, well, this choice means I lose the lifestyle. It means I lose this connection. This co-, And it, it's just like all these threads that have become like interconnected and, and woven together And it just feels so messy to like Mm -hmm. end it or change it. And then you just feel trapped and you're just like, I like the status quo is just kind of easier than than putting up with the nonsense is, Mm -hmm. is in some ways it just feels easier and better than actually changing anything. Yeah. Until it's not right <laughs> until you've got their bird rifle in Yeah, the armadillo armadillo, armadillo. Oh, armadillo, armadillo that's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: we can talk about the armadillo What is thing an thing, armadillo yeah, yeah. yeah what do you think about the armadillo I, I gave it like a solid like above average like yeah. he's getting shot at yeah. I, I felt a little bit of the fear yeah, a little bit of some, the, you know some hazard pay yeah it was you know i, I felt it okay yeah yeah <laughs>
2: He didn't move very fast. There was somebody getting shot at. Did well, you see all the armor? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, guess I don't think true. he was that scared. Yeah. He saw Jack yeah. Black with his shaky hands.
1: Yeah. He knew. That, he was was power power yeah, yeah. that was a power player. Yeah, it was a power move. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just hard for me, like the way, and I don't know the literal sequence of events on the day of the literal crime, but in the movie, yeah. he's literally flying in a plane, taking like pilot lessons. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then she's mad because she can't like his cell phone doesn't work in the sky. And so she's like wanting him to get a pager. And it's just like, it feels like on one hand when he's, it takes money to fly. I'm not breaking news, right? Like rich people fly planes, not middle class people. That's a new thing. Like there's being comfortable and there's being the kind of rich where you have a plane that you're flying. That's not remotely in his zip code on his own. And it's really not. She's not with him. He's yeah. just doing it because it's interesting to him and, and mm-hmm. fun. And so he's doing that. And like, what that must feel like? How exhilarating? How powerful? How like I don't have a care in the world because I'm rich kind of feeling. And then you get down, and then you're treated like a, like an unpaid intern mm-hmm, who's yeah. like bringing my coffee. Like like you know you need I it was I forget what it was. it was something menial and and almost like trivial that she wanted from him. It was something it he was that time. One time she gets really mad about him. She's
2: like, Oh, like we're going to be late for lunch. Like we're not going to be able to go to right. lunch all this stuff. And then it's just them at this like, right. It's some tiny little like sh- crappy yeah. Mexican right. restaurant. Like
1: a, yeah. <laughs> and it's oh, just, she's
2: them chewing them 30 yeah. times. Yeah. Her beans. Yeah. That was a good scene too. Actually, That was a good scene.
1: Shirley McLean. I we were talking about acting before. She does I mean, I know she's a legend, but yeah, she does a great job of being mean without being like a caricature, I think like it's
3: yeah it's um
1: you might have had, have you seen Steel Magnolia's
3: mm. it's I really like that yeah. movie and it's a similar role for her. She's mm. kind of like the town grump and it's it's a southern I think it's Louisiana or Mississippi one of those, but a, a similar kind of role and she's just great at it yeah, yeah. Uh, talented.
1: So if you're on the jury, do you convict? I need to know. (laughs) If you're a Carthage resident, Buck brings that case before you. You look at Bernie. You know what (laughs) happened. You know Marjorie. You, yeah oh, it's, to convict
3: to me it's easy it's it's too straightforward like yeah. he killed her shot her in the back like that's sending him if, to jail i think
1: if you had not answered first ian was gonna say <laughs> he, <wasn't. laughs> I he could was i can see like, it out yeah, yeah, of my eye yeah. he was like definitely going yeah. weak guilty. and then when aaron comes out strong <laughs> i think you flipped Ian. that's no. the power
2: of how jurors <laughs> yeah. influence each yeah. other <laughs> no i'm too justice oriented I, it's yeah. like yeah, she got what's coming. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> there, yeah, justice has
2: been served. That's right. <laughs> justice, yeah, cold. All right. <laughs> <been served>.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> On the jury, you don't get to. You're you're purely. I've never done jury jury duty. You're purely voting like guilty, not guilty. Right. You don't have any say in like how harsh or lenient.
1: Uh, no, I think the judge determines that, right? Then he, yeah, if it's, if they're going for the, the, I think that's how it works in Texas. If it's the death penalty, there's a separate, okay. Oh okay. uh, and then after the conviction, there is a, um, a space it's post conviction, pre sentencing where family members of the victim or just mm. kind of character witnesses, things that maybe are excluded from the, mm. the, the actual trial, but that go to either leniency or harshness and Mm. both sides can talk. And it doesn't necessarily have to have weight. Sometimes it's just a chance to let people feel heard and the judge has a discretion to factor it in or not. It's still a judge's discretion. But I do Mm. think, at least in some states, um, for the death penalty, it has to be done by a jury. Not Mm -hmm. not all states, but some states have it that way. That's a tough yeah well they screen yeah. for that in the juror oh, questions I don't yeah. <laughs> yeah you need to be uh they think of that yeah i'd be like no i cannot handle this
2: <laughs> yeah so I, I would send him to jail but i would probably like if i had any but a nice jail yeah, yeah. a nice jail you yeah. <laughs> can do arts and crafts <laughs> yeah, yeah something something nice
1: <laughs> yeah i looked up the the actual history Uh huh. the murder took place in 96 he was convicted in 98 Uh, I don't know Mm -hmm. the year, but he got out of jail because he had a a successful appeal that there was some kind of defect where they, I think the trial judge excluded evidence that he was, because of past abuse, um, was in a dissociative state Mm -hmm. when he did it. And so whatever reason it caused them to to declare a mistrial and he was free. And he actually lived in Linklater's garage apartment (laughs) In Austin, yeah. From twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen, and then was convicted again, even mm. though it was twenty years after the crime, they yeah. went and they reconvicted him and he's in jail. Like I think it's eighty year sentence, eighty wow. something years. That's
2: that's a lot. Yeah. I wonder if he would be on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we called him up. <laughs> if you, you Bernie Tita? Yeah. <laughs> Is that you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, actually kind of intrigued by this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, if you can get him, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he could be the one. Our first guest. Yeah, but then what if he like really likes movies and he just somehow becomes like a regular? Like he's on all what of our. What
1: if he turns us into?
3: But then, becoming yeah. a regular podcast, uh, yeah. Winner, yeah.
1: Well, and then he he pushes Ian out, and then Ian. <laughs> <works>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we kind of like Bernie better. <laughs> <laughs> justice was served <laughs> what would be if you could ask him one question what would it be oh
2: man i don't even know but i mean I, what i was thinking of is it'd be interesting to get a feel for like i feel like it'd be hard now because I'm, I'm sure you know just with time but what i was thinking is it'd be interesting to know what his relationship with marjorie was really like like mm. whether if it was more mm. just what we were talking about
1: yeah i'd want to know about the flying lessons <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you can ask a lot of people about
1: flying lessons <laughs> they don't have to be in jail they don't have to kill anyone <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did you see like the, the credits they had pictures yeah. of the real Bernie uh-huh. and like Shirley McLean yeah. talking yeah, to yeah. and Jack Black yeah, and all that. Taking notes and stuff. yeah was that, cool. was,
2: that was really interesting
1: so I know we talked somewhat about it but are there any other gospel dimensions as you think about like what the movie's trying to say or depict
2: yeah, I mean, I think for me, what if, uh, I don't know if you could call this a gospel dimension. I think so, though. It's just the, like, I, what I was talking about earlier, just, like, if you if you do take kind of my read on it, he was, like, wasn't able to put up certain boundaries. And, and whether or not that's true, I think for him, I've seen that in a lot of people where they let so much be asked of them that they just become bitter because mm-hmm. they aren't able to say no. They don't want to do something, but they aren't able to say no. And they keep saying yes until they're just absolutely burned out. And, and then just, murder somebody. Right. And then kill somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that happen way too many times. <laughs> and I think it's pretty common in the church too. And I just, I think it's an interesting, like we've been talking a lot about just at church or, um, recently, just talking a lot about freedom and actually serving God instead of serving people. And so I think that's one of the things that I'll take away from this is like, sometimes you have to say no, like sometimes that's okay. Like you just don't have the capacity or you just need to put up healthy boundaries. Like sometimes that person shouldn't be like, everything that she was doing to him was obviously wrong. Like she Mm -hmm. was asking way too much of him being possessive and all this other stuff. And so it was well within his rights to, you know, just as like, even if he works for it, it's like he still was well within his rights just to put put up boundaries or to even quit and go back to just doing full time his um, funeral stuff. So yeah, I I think to me, it's a reminder that you can just get pushed to some really bad places, hopefully not that extreme, but I think all of us have the potential to, to be pushed into doing things that we wouldn't do in our right minds. But if we keep saying yes, and you can do that with the good intentions, you can keep saying yes because it's the right thing to do. You wanna help people, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like good intentions aren't everything. Mm. And so just sometimes it's best to not do those things. And I think God calls us even to to not just say yes all the time, but to be discerning and, and even to stand up to people sometimes. Um, And I think if he had done that, then he, you know, wouldn't be in jail, which Mm. at least from the movie perspective, I think if he had, you know, if, if Jack Black had just been able to leave, then he wouldn't have shot her. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think there can, that's obviously the most, or like one of the most extreme versions of it. But yeah, I I think that's the lesson that I'll take away from this. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What about you, (laughs) What?
3: (laughs) What? (laughs) Why are you looking at me like that? Aaron? I think it's the look of fear. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Don't push. No, yeah. Note to self: yeah.
1: You gotta dial it back. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you can you can say no anytime. You just, okay, we'll be fine. Our That's relationship right. will be okay. Yeah. will be no no
0: right.
2: golden handcuffs. Yeah. Um, you hear that, everybody out there? <laughs> you ask too much. <laughs> Anything could <can> happen. <laughs>
3: Uh, not earlier it was mine. That's kind of what I was yeah. thinking through doing the movie. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think I find it so interesting. And again, I think it's related to what we were talking about earlier, but just the depiction of like the moral reasoning of, of mm. most people and, um, you know, maybe ripping it from the context of the film. It, it is interesting how and uh, that kind of old school, like evangelism way of like, are you good? You know, that these mm-hmm. people have a hard time of like their concept of heaven or reward and like good people are rewarded and bad people are sent to hell or, you know, and then it's it's that same logic of you see the mm-hmm. townspeople of like. Mm-hmm good you know bernie's a good guy and so you shift everything through this lens of like my subjective sense you know and it just depicts that and so i i just think it's interesting in how the gospels there's a certain clarity and it's just funny because he's got the goofy wig and it's mcconaughey and it's this <laughs> like political you kind of get the yeah. thing that he's a lightweight but he actually does a good job in the courtroom. And some of those, he's grounds the movie in some ways. He's the lone voice. That's mm-hmm. like guys, <laughs> <laughs> right? you, know? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's just funny how like, there's that scene in the diner with like the, mm-hmm. the waitress and mm-hmm. the townspeople and he's, you know, and utterly unpersuasive. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And uh, like, I think that a little bit of that, like sometimes you can feel that way you know, even as a Christian or in the church, like like some things aren't complicated, Mm. you know, and and we love moral ambiguity. And, you know, I I love those films, right? Like uh, I'm not saying everything in life at all is black and white, but there was around certain things like Bernie was guilty of murder, (laughs) nothing Mm -hmm. to it. Guilty of cold blooded, just murder, uh, he might've been a nice guy. She might've said mean things. She might've had a cut. None of that excuses the fact that he shot her in the back four times and then hid the body. Right. Mm. It's, it would have been wrong, but a genuine contrite person, right. Or maybe what you would call a morally upstanding <laughs> responsible person turns themselves in mm. or right. It's one thing to even pay, like you say, self-preservation mode, but nine months, right. Of like spending her money and lying and building lies on lies and misleading her family members and Mm -hmm. I mean taking advantage of the fact that she was an isolated old lady. I mean, there's some again self-preservation and there's ways that you can see it as not you can fold it into your perception of Bernie, but it's just interesting how likability because it's it's how. You know, we would say like the church can be infiltrated by like Mm -hmm. false teachers or or wolves in sheep's clothing Mm -hmm. who are charming and are people like, you know, your defenses go down. Mm -hmm. And so part of discernment is, I think, holding on to what is objectively true or black and white Mm. and then knowing the difference between that and then where there is freedom or where there is ambiguity or where there is the ability to have different opinions, you know, and there's perfectly nothing wrong with that. And I just it's just such an interesting depiction of that because real life is is like it. Like I, I don't look at the townspeople like you're stupid. It's like mm-hmm. I get it. I, I I would not, I mean, right, I have this background in law, I whatever, I, I have that prosecutor's like you buck was was me. <laughs> but I don't feel like I'm immune to that. It's mm-hmm. just in a different arena with different facts and a different thing. Like I also mm-hmm. can see it, it's just very human but very destructive. And I think we look now in the way our world is now with like all truth is up for grabs. Like, like this sort right. of postmodern ideal has just been entirely, uh, you know, consumed. And now we're, we're just, you know, I look at, you know, with the internet, like, like deep fake stuff, like people, mm. it's, it's that thing you see. It's like, People joke about it, but if I put a fake quote on like a background with like Abraham Lincoln, I yeah. can get people to think he said that because it's written in his pictures on it, right. and it's a quote that they agree with, you know. And it's just, it's that simple. And I feel like we've advanced far. Maybe "advanced" is the wrong word, but people have weaponized that enough. Mm-hmm. This like flaw and like you know, it's almost like the social network thing that we were yeah. talking about recently, where. We're reaping or or we're feeling the thorns of our inability to separate out our subjective feelings towards something, whether we agree or disagree, like or dislike, or positively inclined or negatively inclined to somebody or something. And then like objective things that if those two things conflict, we still hold with the objective thing. And I do think that the gospel has these Mm -hmm. objective things that we hold to, one being the depravity of our hearts, one being Mm -hmm. nobody's immune, you know, like. I think from a gospel orientation, you would look at Bernie and you could empathize with him. And then the thing, whether you have a more cynical view like me or a more optimistic view like Ian, there's room for both of those to see that he's not the, you know... Just there are positive things on his ledger. Well, you know, it's He's not irredeemable. Yeah, but there's also this conviction piece, mm. you know, in like, because it's true of all of us. Like maybe it's mm-hmm. sharp in the murder thing. And none of a very, <laughs> very few of us at present company hopeful uh, <laughs> have committed murder but it's like that offense against God piece. You know, it's still real in there and ever present. It needs to be accounted for. And you don't get to brush that under because you want to brush it under with Ernie Bernie, because he's so great in all these other ways. Mm. It's like, why can't we just let this go? Why can't we just ignore this? But there has to be an accounting and an atonement for it. And that's, that was Buck's thing. That's, that's why he's in jail right now. It's Mm. what our system supposedly is built on (laughs) there. And there's ways that that's flawed, but it's the same thing like in, in like the gospel, like, like you can be a more or less good person who loves their family, loves the community is, is an all around maybe net positive, but there's still this core thing that needs to mm-hmm. be atoned with, or it needs to be dealt with. And if you want to not look at that because it's uncomfortable or it flies in the face of what you would rather have be known by or see other people by, you're ultimately doing it a disservice and it's not grounded. And I don't know. I guess it's it's kind of free association. I'm I'm just rolling at this point, but it's <laughs> those the movie brings up those things in my mind, mm-hmm. and I just find it to be an interesting intersection wrapped in this goofy true story, but still quirky film. It's it's a really yeah. interesting mix.
2: Yeah, because it is real quirky, but it does bring up in certain ways this question of like what makes something wrong wrong. Yeah. Like right. inherently, are can things be good or evil, or is it more about our perception,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which is a great question. I mean, mm-hmm. people have been asking that question for ever since yeah. humans have been around yeah. and have never, I mean, it's something that you, you have to assume certain things to be able to answer that question. Right. If you're trying to do it completely rationally, you, you really can't. Right. You have to make assumptions and only by making those assumptions, that will push you, that will push that answer in whatever, kind of whatever direction you want to push it in. And yeah, it's an interesting question because especially now, because we in like you were saying this just in our postmodern society, we do that a lot of like, well, what really makes things wrong that are wrong? And in some ways that's needed to happen because there were things that, you know, the just the morals of even the U.S. were very messed up even not that long ago. And so there were questions that needed to be asked. But then, you know, where does that stop? You have to stop that at some point. And I think every, more or less everybody agrees you have to stop questioning morality at some point because mm-hmm. if you just keep doing that, then you end up in a place where you can't exist. But then oh, pretty much everybody disagrees on where you stop questioning <laughs> morality, which is, mm-hmm. but it's a big question. And, yeah. and this movie brings that up in kind of a roundabout, um, not, not center stage way. Uh, but it, it is there, and it, was, it makes it interesting to to think about with this specific case mm-hmm. that did really happen.
1: Yeah. we ready to write? Or, yeah, you, let's yeah, do it. All right. What do we want to write on?
2: Oh, man, I didn't think about that. Yeah.
1: And, uh, I was thinking chews of refried beans. How many, <laughs> how many how chews many, many yeah. like do you give it? <laughs> let's do it. Uh, let's see. You have to do the like sloppy chewing <laughs> sound into the yeah. microphone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I oh mean, this one's hard. I'm going to, I think I'm going to give this one a four. I think I'll give it a four. I really liked it. I think I would. It's a, I mean, it's interesting. That's a true story. Um, brings up a lot of interesting questions. I like Jack Black in it. I don't know. Maybe I should give it higher than a four, but I think I am just gonna give it a four. I think, like, I think part of it is just like, how often would I want to rewatch this? I would. Well, and I would watch it again, but <laughs> I don't know. I am just gonna say four. I think it's a great. I think it's a really good movie and it's really well done. But I think just. I don't know the subject matter. I don't know. I mean, I just wouldn't necessarily say it's like a great, like top tier, maybe, but I don't, I could be talked into it, you know? I'm going to say four for now. I think that's where I want to land.
3: Aaron, over to you. <laughs> <laughs> four choose. Yeah. Four um, choose. I also give it the four was the number in my mind. And it's hard because, like you, like I kind of struggle to identify like why I'm bumping it down, but just, just has four vibes. Like, I don't know yeah. what it is <laughs> yeah. about it. Uh, I have trouble categorizing I mean, he it. He shot her four times. He did oh, shoot her four yeah. times. There Maybe that's why the number is so Maybe stuck in my, my yeah. mind. That could be it. Um, but it's funny because uh, I saw this around the time it came out and I remember liking it then, but actually, and it was just a movie. That, like I, it was a movie that I kind of had like pleasant, like, Oh, I kind I remember kind of liking that and didn't think much of it. Um, But I liked it more watching it this time. Mm -hmm. But even with all that, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like I can't, I'm having trouble putting my finger on it. But four, four chews of refried beans. Then we're
1: all in agreement because four was my number. And I think it's just the classic, it's a small story. It's a magazine article. Yeah. Yeah. And it's well done. I like it, you know, for all the things. I I like the weaving of the real town people. And Mm -hmm. and I like Linklater in general. I like its small town vibes and putting its accurate finger. I like the generally positive warm orientation to the subject matter and the people while still maintaining the complexity. It's just a small story. And I think it's a small story told well and that's okay. The world needs force. Not everything's going to be fives, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And I think you'd lose it after. So, you know, I talk about a lot. I, I reserve that upper register for movies that swing big. Right. And this yeah. movie knows itself. It's, it's not trying to be big which is yeah. to its credit small stories are told well that that's that's a good thing and so yeah i just kind of see it that way mm-hmm. and so um and i meant to work this in earlier so apropos of nothing Linklater <laughs> is in the movie really uh, huh? he is the the <laughs> think when buck to catch the deadbeat dads not paying child support <laughs> oh, yeah. with the hand the on the hard body yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the one in red. Okay, and then when the cops we'll come, on that the one that runs fly. and gets like wrestled uh-huh. by the cop—that's that's later. Yeah. So I I I like it when they have the yeah. put themselves in these quirky little roles in the movie. I that's just, funny. If I was him, I, if I was a director, I'd do that. So I don't. It doesn't change my rating, but <laughs> I forgot to work it in earlier. Um. All right, so we're it's the rare time where we're all in agreement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Recommendations. Recommendations.
2: Uh, I had one real one for this. <laughs> I had another one, but it's not <laughs> very good. And I was trying to think of another one, and then I thought of my recommendation, and I liked it, so I went with that. So my recommendation is Catch Me If You Can. Hmm. Okay. you guys seen that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I one like that movie. It's I Young it. Leo. Yep. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I actually, I haven't seen it in a long time, but just thinking about it made me want to, I think I wouldn't watch the trailer and it made me want to go watch it again. But it's a true story. It's Mm -hmm. kind of this likable con man. So he's explicitly a con man, um, but it's kind of him just running around conning people. (laughs) But he's like this really likable guy. That's why he's such a good con man. And so it kind of like the true story aspect of it and then just like Bernie's not necessarily, I mean, he's not a con man, obviously, but like, there are certain things that you could read that mm-hmm. way. And so I don't know. I just kind of, um, I, I, it's, this is a pretty unique story, so I couldn't really think of anything else, but I felt like this fit. And I think the vibes, it's not quite as quirky, but I think I, if you did like Bernie, I think you probably would like catch me. If I you think can. it's a good
1: recommendation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I think they're pretty similar yeah. vibe movies. So mm-hmm. oh, okay. I, I might go watch it again soon. Actually. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time. So, yeah, it's been a while I recommended it to myself <laughs> <laughs> and I I took that recommendation Ian you
3: genius <laughs> yeah. you <did> it again <laughs> you beautiful <Yeah>. genius
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> where would I be with that
1: that's right we're not mocking or <laughs> abusing Ian in any way that's shape right or form. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Uh, did you want to say you you had another one that you didn't like? Or is that just, the- I guess
2: I could, I could say it if you guys want to. Yeah. What is it? Uh, it was Lars and the real girl. Okay. But there wasn't really a connection. It's just kind of like a quirky. I, I thought of that. I know it's where you're like, coming it's from. It's small town. Yeah. yeah. It's like a quirky male protagonist. who's yeah. like older, not old, but like whatever, thirties, mm. mm. late thirties, like Kind of trying to figure stuff out. Uh, So there's like some connections, but I couldn't quite make it fit well enough. Yeah. So I had
1: the same thought and I excluded for the same reason. So Mm -hmm. I'm vibing with you. There you
3: go. Um, okay, so I'm going link later. Slacker. Have have you guys seen that? I still haven't I want to see that. Good Austin movie. Yeah, it's a great Austin movie. Um, kind of West Campus area. It's real um what's the word? Like uh experimental um with kind of like the filmmaking and it's cool i yeah it's just it's just kind of quirky link later
1: link later's at his best during small movies yeah. i think I yeah
3: just, i agree yeah i agree and then the other one is gonna my second one is a uh also a quirky local shout out to my mother-in-law. It's called the Funeral Singer. And it's about a, <laughs> it's about a it's available online. You can find it if you Google it's it. It's about an artist in the <laughs> embalming room. It is actually. It's a um a mom and daughter, her two daughters, team, and they run a funeral home. And they make the um they're very like they put on like a production, like it's like the one mom, the mom and the one daughter are very into like making the funerals. It's like these big events and they sing and, and then the one daughter is just really into the makeup, but she's not a performer. And so, um, there's just conflict there and hmm. it's good. It's an interesting movie. And if, if you, wait, like the,
2: is your mother-in-law in it? She or? wrote it. Oh, she wrote it.
3: Wow. My mother in law okay. wrote it. Wow. Oh no, the do funeral singer in it. I'm not yeah. in it at all. <laughs> oh yeah. You guys should know. just You just start that recommending that for every movie. <laughs> it's my
1: breakout vehicle.
3: Yeah. Ian's and like wait, we can do that? I need to get the yeah. name. <laughs> Ian just starts recommending his YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to say either that or
2: a zombie roommate. That's the other one movie I that this reminds me of. I didn't say it.
3: Ian did. So if you want to see zombie roommates, search that. It's free. You might see a friendly face.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I tried to key in on the, the sympathetic lawbreaker and like the unsympathetic mm-hmm. like victim. And at first I landed on Robin Hood and that's just kind of <laughs> lame. <laughs> All right. I'm just like, no. <laughs> and then I think the, the obvious one is, is Dexter. Okay, yeah, yeah, and it, kinda, it really plays yeah, in that no. space of like he's a serial killer but he kills like objectively bad people who like there's not enough legal evidence to convict him, but he like goes to the trouble of getting like stone cold evidence, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of plays with similar themes and you like Dexter and you don't like his victims, but it's still murder, you know, it right. kind of makes you confront that. Um, and then I thought of, Jake Gyllenhaal's not quite as charming as Jack Black, <laughs> but um, Nightcrawler? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. He's kind of, some <laughs> you know, and then uh-huh. it, you know, as it unfolds, <laughs> it's but it's a little, charming. <laughs> yeah. He's a little, yeah, there's a little intensity and, yeah. and like screw looseness. It's a yeah. different note, but yeah. similar thing. And then um, for reasons that almost like you and Lars and the real girl, you can't articulate, but I just put it out there But the, the disaster artist, mm, yeah. huh. just that kind of almost <laughs> pathetic figure that you just kind of <laughs> like. Yeah. And you just, you know, and then you see him do his thing. Yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, and so Bernie's different than yeah, know, Bernie's guys, good at right? what he does. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's, it's, that's why I couldn't quite square yeah. it, but just at a complete vibe. Like, mm-hmm. what is I don't know. Name? It's just personal to me. I yeah. just
3: keep teaching. Hi, I, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, don't
1: know. I I did not expect to like that movie as much as I did. Um, Tommy. Tommy. Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. And so it's probably an insult to Bernie. Uh, Yeah. uh, It's probably going to make him not want to come on our podcast. But
2: hopefully it doesn't make him want to kill you. (laughs)
1: Wow, I'm most worried about Bernie, honestly. (laughs) He's the least of my worries right now. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to watch my back and and exit slowly. But I guess... uh, (laughs) Come join us next week when we maybe continue our look at Angry Old People. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> That's pretty good. All
3: right, I'll see you. <laughs> Bye, right, guys. You're flipping through the channels late at night, looking for a movie. Yeah, you're doing it right. Called up Tim. I called up Ian. I wanted to know which movie are we seeing? Because some make you laugh and some make you cry. I wanna know, are your thoughts like mine? For the love of the frame, love, it, love, it, love, it. love,
0: of the frame. For the love of the frame, love, it, love, it, love. It. the frame.